0: Welcome to the Eric Erickson
1: Show Podcast, Hour 1. Greetings, America. How are you? It's Eric Erickson here across the nation. The phone number, 877-973-7425. Well, we got to begin down in Georgia. There is a new ad out with Riley Gaines. Riley Gaines was the NCAA swimmer competing against the uh the guy who decided he was a girl after not doing successful as a male swimmer decided he was a female swimmer and started winning herschel walker and riley gaines the female kentucky swimmer who lost to the man uh has a new ad out i want to play you this because oh there's a lot to say here let's begin with the ad
0: i'm riley gaines a 12-time ncaa all-american
1: and i'm Herschel walker
0: for more than a decade i worked so hard 4AM practices to be the best. But my senior year, I was forced to compete against a biological male. That's unfair and wrong. A man won the swimming title that belonged to a woman. And Senator Warnock voted to let it happen. Warnock's afraid to stand up for female athletes. Herschel Walker
2: stands up for what's right. I'm Herschel Walker, and I'm proud to approve.
1: You, get the, you know, so here's the left-wing meltdown on MSNBC, this has to be heard to be believed. This is Mike Barnacle. Well, what, do, what do we do about
0: public officials at f- local level, state level, federal level, who try to inject the fear of the very word transgender into school issues, that a transgender person might be trying to be on your son's or daughter's softball team?
2: right and that's the biggest worry
0: right can't be allowed right they're dangerous why are they dangerous we never probe we never probe the motive of these politicians who
2: cheaply absurdly and evilly throw that throw that issue around right because of the attention economy that we live in means they get more clicks for it and they end up on tucker carlson they end up on the highest rated show on cable news and last night by the way Tucker uh, attacked my colleague, Brandy Zidrosny, who who's co on almost all of these stories. Not me, he attacked Brandy, of course. But he, he attacked Brandy. Um, and he he went right back into this idea that some they is trying to groom your kids, trying to sexualize your children, right?
1: They are, they are. LZ Granderson, also on MSNBC about the Herschel Walker ad. Well, I, I, I'm, I'm
2: confused to be quite honest because when you look at the exit polls, Um, The issues that are on voters' minds, number one, obviously, was the economy. How do you put food on the table? Paying for gas, the inflation. Number two was abortion. Uh, Following down from that were issues regarding security and safety, education. Uh, I did not see very many voters stress uh, confusion or or anxiety regarding trans athletes competing in sports in high school or in college. And so this seems to be a manufactured issue from Herschel Walker. Who has nowhere else to turn because he has no credibility when it comes to discussing the economy because we understand his business dealings. He's surrounded by controversy regarding abortion. So, where else is he going to turn? Hate. And that's what this ad is hate. But here's the important thing to remember trans athletes are already banned in Georgia. That was signed into law earlier. I'm not saying that to celebrate, I'm saying that to say, what exactly is this ad
1: supposed to do for Georgian voters? Well, except Raphael Warnock and Joe Biden uh, want federal legislation to preempt the state laws. That's right. Uh, Raphael Warnock supports Joe Biden uh, passing executive orders and regulations and the Senate passing laws that would preempt any state banning men from being in women's sports. But hang on a little more here. Uh, Frank uh, Figliazzi on MSNBC. Notice this is all on MSNBC
0: yeah you know this toxic mix of hatred plus clinging to assault weapons is is the laziest way targeting your opponent targeting what you don't like is the is the laziest way out and seemingly they think the easiest way to just make what you don't like go away but the senator's got this right it's it is about instilling fear and the correct response for the rest of us is to step up and and push back right right at them so it's hatred it's clinging to weapons. It's ignorance of the other, demonizing the other. We've said this over and
1: over again. Demonizing, otherizing, and one more from MSNBC.
2: And in March and April of this year, as the far right-wing conservatives sort of got over CRT or critical race theory, they needed a new boogeyman, and they leapt on... LGBTQ community members, specifically trans people, their doctors, their caregivers, libraries that had books that were LGBT focused. Um, This was really just sort of the cause celebrate on the far right.
1: You got that. All of these things tie together. A new phrase has uh, been entered into the American lexicon by a writer, Bryn Nelson, in an opinion piece, at scientific American, and it is stochastic terror, stochastic terror. Stochasticism is a random, seemingly random generation of events. For example, uh, it, it's a scientific term, for example, describing how bacteria randomly seem to generate inside a Petri dish in, in their Uh, reproduction, and you know we're attended, but it it seems to be random as to how they appear and how they're generated. No rhyme or reason, but it all leads to a certain inevitable point. Uh, And what the left is trying to claim is that the random series of violence in this country have a common thread. Uh, They are all based on right-wing rhetoric. There was a shooting in Colorado at a gay bar People were there for some uh, drag queen event. So obviously it was right-wing rhetoric about drag queens caused the violence. After Elizabeth Warren suggested people needed to do whatever they could to shut down Christian pregnancy centers in the country, more than 50 have been attacked. Uh, Dozens have been firebombed. No one on the left worried about stochastic terror. Then after Bernie Sanders, Rachel Maddow and others began discussing how Republicans were going to kill people with their Obamacare reforms. James Hodgkinson attempted the mass assassination of Republican members of Congress. No one worried about stochastic terror, but you complain about people taking their children to drag queen shows where some of them have now been exposed as uh, on, on sexual predator lists and suddenly The right is to blame for all violence. A man drove into a crowd at a parade in Wisconsin. He happened to be black. The media moved on very quickly. No tie-ins at all to anything. A man in Georgia went into a... uh, brothel serving as an asian themed massage parlor he was addicted to sex and decided he needed to kill the women from whom he was getting sex and it became anti-asian violence caused by donald trump's rhetoric when that wasn't actually the case and then when it turned out a majority of violence against the asian community is from the black community young black men in particular in san francisco and new york they dropped the story and went away They only pursue these stories when people on the right condemn things and then some sort of violence happens. Uh, It has become dogma and orthodoxy on the left that every child should go to Drag Queen Story Hour. You've got, for God's sakes, young reporters from the left on TV defending them, saying how kids love them. Kids love to come to the Drag Queen Story Hour. Herschel Walker released this ad with this NCAA athlete she lost to a man who was unsuccessful as a male and so has identified as a female. Unsuccessful men becoming women has become the new feminism. And this student athlete female who worked her butt off was beaten by a dude. And Herschel Walker runs this ad. There are literally reporters condemning Herschel Walker, how dare you run this ad after this shooting at a gay bar in Colorado? You're just stirring hate, as if one has anything to do with the other. But you see, it's stochastic terrorism. It doesn't have to actually be real terrorism. It can be your words. The left is trying to criminalize words. They're trying to silence people on the right, and anything you say outside anything they like is considered terrorism, or, or the predicated event of terrorism. If you complain about taxes and someone attacks an IRS agent, you're going to be to blame. What's going on here is they can't win the argument. So they have to silence you. This is the strongest tactic and both sides do this. They try to scare you and bully you into shutting you up. What the left has done, though, is they've taken it to an extra level now. They're accusing you and your words of being the precipitating event of terrorist acts, of violence. This phrase, stochastic terrorism, came about by Bryn Nelson in this Scientific America piece, who attacked Christopher Rufo. Christopher Ruffo, of course, has done a lot of the uh, leading exposure of critical race theory and drag queen story hour in this country and essentially said that because he was on Tucker Carlson talking about his reporting on drag queen story hour and David DePape attacked Paul Pelosi that night and believed in a bunch of QAnon conspiracy theories. That Christopher Rufo was the precipitating event, and therefore it was stochastic terrorism, a, a random seeming attack, but based on the words someone uttered with Tucker Carlson on television. There are people on the left who believe this. You can think it's nutty, but people on the left believe this. What it ultimately is about, though, is an internal recognition that they've lost the actual argument, and the result of this is they have to bully you and they have to scare people and they have to shame you and attempt to otherize you. It is the left that is the authoritarian in this country. They call people on the right authoritarian and then accuse you of terrorism for saying things they don't like. And if there's violence afterwards, so much the better. They can tie you to the violence. Remember this goes all the way back to Bill Clinton when you had the what, what the, the um, Branch Davidian complex and then the, you had the Oklahoma City bombing. You had um, Columbine, all of these things, and he tried to blame Rush Limbaugh for them, particularly the Oklahoma City bombing. He tried to directly tie it to conservative voices and talk radio, and the left has done this ever since Bill Clinton started it. They've done it before that, but that's when it really picked up steam, is if you tie the words of a conservative who's on television or radio— To the bad act, you hope to shun silent shame, and drive from the scene the advertisers of the voice who said the thing you don't like. It is a pattern and practice of bullying, of trying to censor and shame anyone on the right. The left has fully embraced sexual deviancy. Drag Queen Story Hour is something they said didn't happen, and now it does happen, and if you don't like it, you're a bigot. I mean, remember, it's very important to understand that at first, they said, no one does this. No one does this. Now it's celebrated. It's inside the schools, and if you don't like it, you're a bigot. You're a stochastic terrorist. And when there's an attack at a gay bar in Colorado, all of you are to blame for it, including Herschel Walker, whose advertisement went live after it happened, retroactively can be blamed for it because uh, what happens does not happen until the moment they admit that it happens and then it's actually good. These are the two games the left now plays. Anyone who commits violence does so because someone on the right said something they don't like. And the claims of the right are irrelevant and do not happen until the moment no one can deny that they're happening and then it's a good thing and you're a bigot if you hate them. The American people see through this, I think. I think the left risks, well, has already overplayed their hand on this. And the backlash continues to grow because of the results of the election, largely because of Trump supported candidates losing over Stop the Steal election denialism. The left has misinterpreted the results. And thinks it's a rejection of conservatives, conservatism, conservative family values and the like as a whole, and will now overplay their hands even more in the next two years. They actually think this is a rejection nationally of what Ron DeSantis was able to do in Florida when Ron DeSantis was overwhelmingly able to win Hispanic voters. And even ran a, a large, a, it was able to win a, a good group of Democrats. The left has embraced a level of cultural deviancy in this country, and anyone who points it out is now labeled a terrorist. It's designed to keep you silent, to make you shut up, to bully you into submission, which just means you have to speak out even more. You can't let them turn your culture upside down and blame you for violence. You had nothing to do with it but they had everything to do with the cultural rot. I'm several years in on my and Branch sheets, and they keep getting softer every time you wash them. They get softer. They hold up after multiple washes over multiple years. They even have those deep-fitting sheets for the fitted sheets for the big mattresses like I've got. They're great. And for the holidays, consider them as a great gift for yourself or someone else. They're made with the finest 100% organic cotton threads on earth. They have a great weight for them. They're cool in the summer. They're warm in the fall. They've just in in the cold weather season, they just have a good drape on your body. They just give you something uh, better than your standard sheet that you're going to get. They're great. I enjoy them. I love that they keep getting softer. Every time I wash them and put them back on the bed, they're a better surprise. Their signature sheets come wrapped and ready in a beautiful holiday gift box. They're going to look great. They're going to be unboxed. You're going to make somebody happy. This Black Friday, give the gift of a better night's sleep with & Branch. Get 25% off your first set of sheets and free shipping when you use promo code ERIC, E-R-I-C-K, at bolenbranch.com That's Branch, B-O-L-L-A-N-D, Branch.com. The promo code is ERIC, E-R-I-C-K. The offer ends November 27th. Hello there. It is Eric Erickson here. The phone number is 877-973-7425. Um... I need to explain a theory and an issue to you. There is a national controversy over Georgia and its early voting and whether or not there could be a um, election a, a voting day on Saturday after Thanksgiving. The Georgia Court of Appeals has said uh, there can be. The problem here is a law that was drafted in um, 2000. When was this? Uh, Back in 2016, it was uh, signed onto by Stacey Abrams. I need, to underst- I need to explain this for people nationally who don't quite understand what's going on here and why I think the GOP is is um, probably needs to not pick this fight. Uh, there's a law in Georgia that says you cannot have early voting on a Saturday within two days of a holiday. Since Thanksgiving is on Thursday, that precludes having early voting on Saturday. That should be the first day of early voting in Georgia for the runoff. There's also a holiday on Friday. It was originally designated as a Robert E. Lee Memorial Holiday. The state scrapped it. It's now just a generic state holiday for the purpose of not making state workers go back to work the day after Thanksgiving for one day. You're off a day, then you're back on, and then you're off again for the weekend. They wanted to keep people out, but they got rid of it as a a Robert E. Lee designation. The problem here is that this 2016 law is vague, and the reason it is vague is this. Um, there will be no, uh, in primaries and elections in which there are no federal or state candidates on the ballot, no Saturday voting hours will be required. If such second Saturday is a public and legal holiday, if such second Saturday follows a public and legal holiday occurring on the Thursday or Friday immediately preceding such second Saturday, or if such second Saturday immediately precedes a public and legal holiday occurring on the following Sunday or Monday, advanced voting shall not be held on the second Saturday but shall be held on the third Saturday primary to any such primary election or runoff. Now, that sounds somewhat clear. You can't have an election. There is a problem, however, in the reading of the law because the laws in Georgia designate primaries, primary runoffs, General primaries, general primary runoffs, general elections, and general election runoffs. And the question is, is this law applicable to a runoff after a general election? I read it and say, yes, it is. The lawyer for the Secretary of State's office said, yes, it means there can't be an early voting on a Saturday after Thanksgiving. The Secretary of State himself read it and said it didn't apply. Uh, And now a local judge and a court of appeals have said it doesn't apply. So now the question is whether the Georgia Supreme Court says it applies. Uh, It's a nebulously written law that's at stake here. They should allow early voting, though, on Saturday. Americans for Prosperity plays to win. That matters a lot to me. I know a lot of D.C.-based organizations that just want to pass paper around to other Beltway insiders or claim they speak for everyday Americans without ever having to leave Washington, D.C. Americans for Prosperity is different. They're not a think tank. They're grassroots do tank. Americans for Prosperity is a -a one-of-a-kind, freedom-oriented, limited government advocacy and accountability organization that actually takes action to expand opportunity for all Americans and defend your freedom of speech. They're doing great work at all levels of government. What's their secret? Well, they don't really rely on Washington. They built a network of concerned citizens who are stepping up for freedom in communities all around the country. If you want to learn more, if you want to find out how to get involved with Americans for Prosperity with a chapter near you, and I assure you, they have a chapter near you. Check them out at americansforprosperity.org slash eric. That's americansforprosperity.org slash E R I C K. Hello there, it is Eric Erickson here. I'm gonna try to unmuddy the water. I myself muddied in the last segment so you understand what's going on here. There's a controversy in Georgia as to whether or not there can be early voting in the Senate runoff on Saturday. In 2016, the Georgia legislature passed a law that said there can be no early voting on a Saturday, if that Saturday is within two days of a holiday, there is Thanksgiving on Thursday, which is within two days of that Saturday. And then there's a state holiday on Friday. The left made a much to do about the state holiday. At one point, it was designated for Robert E. Lee. Um, it was changed in 2016 to just be a state, generic state holiday. And the thinking was that the whole reason it was the Robert E. Lee holiday and then the generic state holiday was to stop uh, state workers having to go to work on Friday after Thanksgiving. So with those two holidays back to back, technically Saturday should not be a day of early voting. But it's more nebulous than that. And here's why. In 2016, and under Georgia's election law, runoffs are designated by that name, runoff. So you have primary elections and primary runoffs. You have general elections and general runoffs. The law clearly applied in 2016 to runoffs. In 2017, the legislature made some changes to the election code, and they got rid of the phrase runoff in that statute. So it just applied to elections. The problem again is that throughout the entire election code in Georgia, runoff is designated uh, as a specific sort of election. If you look through the Georgia election code, you find references all over the place to primary elections, primary runoffs, general elections, and general runoffs. So by deleting the word runoff, uh, the Democrats are arguing that, well, this is proof they didn't intend that law to apply two runoffs. You fast forward to the 2021 runoff and, and Christmas was on a Friday and on Saturday there was early voting. So the Democrats are saying, look, in 2020, December 26th, we did early voting. So we should be able to do it now a Superior Court judge and the Georgia Court of Appeals have both agreed with the Democrats. And by the way, in fairness to Secretary of State Brad Raffensperger, that's what he said too. But the lawyers for the Secretary of State's office have said that's a misreading, and so Raffensperger's ultimate opinion was there can be no early voting. His original inclination was that there could, but because of this law, they can't. Uh, The Democrats have thus far won in court, and the reason they've won is because in 2017, The legislature took the word runoff out of that statute, and because Georgia specifically segments primary, primary runoff, general election, general election runoff, and they take the word runoff off, they presume that doesn't apply now, that that holiday doesn't apply to the runoff. So the Democrats have won. I have to tell you, in my humble estimation, this is a really bad look for the Republicans. You're going to motivate black voters to turn out on the argument that you're trying to deny them the right to vote. You're going to mobilize more Democrats than if you just let sleeping dogs lie in this, you're actually, I think, hurting Herschel Walker. Now the Georgia Republican party, the national Republican senatorial committee and others have appealed to the Supreme court of Georgia to try to stop Saturday, early voting. You're just raising greater awareness to Saturday early voting. The odds are you're not going to win anyway because of that change in language in 2017 to strike runoff from the legislation seems to imply the law does not apply to runoffs. It's just a bad look for the GOP. Now, I know some of you say looks don't matter. The law is the law, but then you have to contend with the nebulousness of the law that in the statutes in Georgia on the election code they designate runoffs and elections and in this one they had designated elections and runoffs as applying to the law And then they took the word runoff out and it only applies to elections well in Georgia law runoff means something and if you don't say runoff then the law doesn't apply to runoffs that's that's I was an elections lawyer here it's kind of kind of the thing so I think the Republicans actually have a losing argument based on that change in 2017, but they're still going to go try to stop people from voting on Saturday. The media is up in arms. The Democrats are running ads about the Republicans trying to stop black people from voting on a Saturday. I personally don't think anyone should vote on a weekend at all ever, but the law is the law and the law by that change seems to suggest the legislature is okay in a runoff. The other thing you need to know And why this is different from 2021 is because in 2021, after that runoff, the Republicans in the legislature changed the law to make a four-week runoff instead of an eight-week runoff. And so that allows the runoff to be December 6th, which puts early voting starting right after Thanksgiving, and no one bothered to think about that. Um, The law of unintended consequences. That's what they're dealing with i hope that makes some sense for you the, the law really is um nebulous and because the law is nebulous and the way it's structured and the way they changed the law it really is up for grabs and i looked at the judge's decision in fulton county and i mean he kind of makes the points i've just made to you they changed the language of the law to get rid of it applying to a runoff is what it looks like to him i just think i mean you you, you push this forward gop you're gonna incite people to want to go vote against you now the phone number here 877-973-7425 should you wish to be on the program we're going to kind of treat today as an open line friday because it's my last day on radio through thanksgiving Uh, i got some great guest hosts for you the next couple of days but i am going to tune out and go do some cooking over the next few days by the way if you want to get all my recipes text the word recipe to 33777, not not plural recipes, just recipe to 33777. You can get my gravy recipe. Uh, if you do that, follow the link back. You don't have to pay to get them. Just click through, ignore the whole subscription thing. You can find the gravy recipe. You're gonna want my gravy recipe. It is the easiest, best gravy recipe on planet earth. Now to the phones, Steve, welcome to the program. Hey Eric, how are you? Good, how are you?
0: I'm fantastic. Um, let me um, say I love your show, um, and let me, let me qualify who I am. I'm a retired United States Marine officer, and I'm conservative, and I'm black. Um, the biggest question that we have here is, are the polls open for Republicans, Democrats, and independents? The problem that we have is that <clears throat> the left attempts to make it a negative if the right wants to enforce the law. But the law applies to everyone. The <laughs> polls are open for Republicans and Democrats and independents. The Republicans, they say, well, we have to abide by the law. But wait a minute, it doesn't matter because Republicans can vote early as well. It always bothers me when it's put to the point that it's a Republican or a Democratic thing. The law is the law. So if let's say we do have early voting on Saturday. Everyone can vote on Saturday. Let's say we don't have early voting on Saturday. No one can vote on Saturday, so it's not partisan. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah, yeah, it does. Look, I mean, it, it, it's not like they're saying, well, Republicans can vote on Friday, but Democrats can't. Um, exactly. It, it, exactly. And yes, uh, the problem here, and, and by the way, I, I've had two different lawyers now uh, who have emailed uh, me and, and they said that they have they, they've come to the same conclusion I have that by taking the word runoff out of the statute, uh, given the way every other law in Georgia designates runoffs as mm-hmm. a specific thing, it, it, it is a fatal flaw to the argument uh, about prohibiting voting on, her, on Saturday. My, my thing, though, in, and to your point, Steve, is everybody go vote. If you're allowed yeah, to vote, go vote. <laughs> if you're allowed to vote on Saturday, well guess what, you got a lot of free time, you're not going to be at work on Saturday, the Saturday after Thanksgiving, so go vote. Um exactly. take advantage of it. Um so you don't have to stand in line on election day. And you know, Steve, to that point, let me play you this audio. This is this is Nikki Haley. She was at the Republican uh Jewish coalition in Las Vegas. She said this, listen.
2: I also disagree that we had bad candidates. We fell short for a number of reasons. First, our candidates were completely outraised. The Democrats blew us out of the water when it came to fundraising, and it's why we lost the messaging wars. Secondly, we were completely outplayed electorally. The Democrats did a full-court press to vote early. We sat on our hands. Friends, early and absentee voting are here to stay. We need to play the same game and turn out the maximum number of voters. The left does it and we don't. I also.
1: Yes, the maximum number of voters. Republicans, if you keep deciding you're going to go vote on election day instead of early voting, you're going to keep losing. If you don't do an early vote strategy, you're going to lose. You know, one of the things that happens is in the last two to three weeks of the election, Democrats up their nastiness. It's not a surprise that the Democrats upped their attacks on Herschel Walker, including the abortion issue in Georgia, right before uh, early voting began to try to change some minds of Republicans. If you had gone out there with an aggressive early voting strategy and you started knocking on doors, getting people to fill out their absentee ballots, showing up, helping them fill out their absentee ballots and the like, uh, by the time the election came in, you would have banked enough votes to get Walker over the finish line. Instead, the Democrats had two and a half weeks to try to convince Republicans not to vote for Herschel Walker because they knew the Republicans weren't going to show up until Election Day. And so they could stew over it for two and a half weeks. You've got to be able to do an early voting strategy and then maximize and bank as many Republican votes as possible. The Democrats do it, Republicans have to do it. Republicans used to do this. You know, this early voting strategy is not some new thing pulled out of thin air. It's something Republicans did until Donald Trump started discouraging people from doing absentee balloting and saying, show up on election day and everybody vote at once. People thought that's a great idea, except uh, the Democrats, we're able to get out there, show up on people's doorstep, help them get their balloting done, and turn in. Well, it's ballot harvesting. Well, so the Democrats are doing it. And in many states, you can do it. You might as well learn how to do it. You know, Republicans in California in 2018 did not do an early vote strategy, and the Democrats did. And the Democrats crushed them. In a state where the Democrats are already uh, a bigger party than the Republicans, the Democrats overperformed It took Republicans four years to figure it out. They finally figured it out and Republicans in California overperformed in the early vote this year. They figured out how to do the early vote absentee balloting strategy again, like they used to. And they dominated the Democrats. If you wanna get rid of early voting, if you don't think anyone should be able to vote early, you need to start winning early voting Republicans, and then the Democrats will gladly help you change the law. Until the moment you, you do that, though, of course, they're going to sit on their hands. They don't want you to have an advantage. For uh, 877-973-7425 is the program number. If you want to call in, 877-973-7425, you can call in. It's an, We're going to treat it as an open line Friday, even though it's Tuesday, because... I'm going to take the rest of the week off for Thanksgiving and do some cooking. Uh, Right now, i got to tell you, one of the groups that's not taking time off is Americans for Prosperity. They've got ground game operators and volunteers on the ground in Georgia doing door knocking, trying to turn conservatives out. You can be one of them. You can learn how to do it. You can become a better activist. You can fight for free markets and free people by going to americansforprosperity.org. I am on the advisory committee of AFP. I'm a fellow of the organization. I'm a big fan of them. Uh, I have worked with them for years. They make conservatives smarter and more effective activists. They have local chapters around the country. You don't all have to worry about looking at D.C. because they have groups in the states. And so they build grassroots relationships with voters around the country. What you can do is go to americansforprosperity.org Eric, americansforprosperity.org slash E-R-I-C-K. You can join an AFP local chapter somewhere near you. If they don't have one in your area, you might be able to help them start one. I know they're looking for someone in Alabama to help them start one there. Around the country, AFP is growing, the grassroots, making them smarter, more informed, better able to make arguments for free markets and free people. They would love to have you a part of them. I personally would love to have you a part of my group, uh, americansforprosperity.org. Hello there. It is Eric Erickson here. Don't forget... You can sign up to the email while I am out for Thanksgiving and you're trying to keep up with all the latest news. You're going to want to subscribe because I'll still be – we aren't going to send out the show notes in the next few days. I don't want to deprive Philip of his fishing opportunities, but uh, as news breaks, we will send stuff out. I will send you my thoughts and analysis on it. All you got to do is text the word ERIC, E-R-I-C-K, to 33777, and click that first link. You don't have to pay to subscribe. If you want to pay, you get all the extra stuff. Um, But just for the basics, just click that link, add your email. Let's grow the list. Uh, You also, if you text ERIC to 33777, get the podcast, live stream, uh, all my social media links. You can follow me everywhere. All right. The full number here, 877-973-7425, should you wish to be on the program. Have you heard about Mastodon? Mastodon is the alternative Twitter. The alternative Twitter, and so Mastodon, Twitter is kind of a centralized service. Mastodon is this garbage alternative. I actually had an account there for a while when they started up, it's just, it's it's not easy to use. But it allows people to join various servers, and you can communicate across the different groups even as you have to join one particular group. So someone came up with this new server called JournaHost, where journalists themselves can join and only journalists can join and only journalists who other journalists approve as legitimate journalists. It's as pretentious as you think it is. And they began banning each other shortly thereafter. The, the precipitating event was the New York Times actually had the audacity to run a story critical of transgenderism, raising alarms about transgenderism. And a journalist linked to the New York Times story commenting on how fascinated he was that they would cover the story. Well, there's this uh, transgendered uh, nut job named Parker Malloy. He's just at malcontent, one of the most malcontented people on the internet. Got upset that a journalist linked to a New York Times story on transgenderism and attacked the reporter for doing so. And when the reporter responded that Parker Malloy was an activist, Parker Malloy got the journalist banned for using the word activist, which the journalist took as a pejorative against journalists. Activist was apparently a bad word. And then Parker Malloy uh, himself got banned from the site. And the whole thing is just truly a bizarre group of malcontented reporters who don't want to be on Twitter because Donald Trump is back. They're obsessed with him, though. You know, this is like Gab and Parler and True Social for conservatives. They they quit, they leave, they flee, but yet they're still posting all their tweets. And all they're doing at Mastodon is posting their tweets. It's what people on, on all these other sites have. Like I see all the time, follow me on Parler, follow me on True Social. Why are you still at Twitter then? Because you can't get away from it. The death of Twitter has been so exaggerated. All of these stories like Elon Musk has fired everyone. The site's going to die. I I wish this hell site would die so we could all be done with it. But it does not appear to be the case. It appears that they're going to keep this thing going. Maybe Elon Musk can do something with it. He has brought back Donald Trump. Donald Trump himself is refusing to tweet thus far. I suspect he'll be back, but right now he's doubling down on True Social, which he has an investment in, so he can't really let it go bankrupt. All right, your phone calls, 877-973-7425. When we come back, the dumbest person in America has come out against Ron DeSantis, and there are all sorts of Republican warnings about the establishment loving Ron DeSantis, how they might hurt Ron DeSantis. I want to get into all of that, and also... The idea that conservatives and billionaires maybe shouldn't exist.